welcome back to the very first What the Fork Sunderland preview show of the 23-24 season. It's felt like we've been away from competitive action for far too long, really, but the wait is finally over as we welcome newly promoted Ipswich Town to the Stadium Light for a rather rubbish 5pm kickoff on Sunday. <laughs> I feel like my guest might agree with that. And if you don't recognize the voice, it's uh, it's been a year or so, but one of my first and oldest guests, um, not been on since the League One days, give me up to date with the, the Tractor Boys, Ben, Ben, Benjamin, Ben, Benjamin, Benjamin Bloom. Ben, how are we doing? I'm good. Are you going to tell your audience about our lovely moment outside the playoff final? Do you remember that? I do. Yes. It was very, very nice. Um, it was weird, wasn't it? So ooh. I was in the Wickham end. Um, it was much easier for me to get a ticket as a neutral in the in the Wickham end. And I hightailed it out of the ground and walked around Wembley trying to go back to my just park spot, which I've inevitably played 25 quid for or whatever, park on <laughs> some driveway five minutes from Wembley Stadium. And there, amidst the billions of Sunderland fans, is, is Graham. We had a, had a quick hug. I congratulated you. And we were, it was a bit like, you know, when Michael Caine in that Batman movie says, I just want to see him, nod at him and walk on. I have this, you know, <laughs> when he's sat at the table or whatever. But yeah, it's that was a long tangent. It's very lovely to be back. Yes, it is, mate, 100%. And as I said in the intro there, obviously, it's which are newly promoted. And whilst we haven't spoke since those League One days, really, um, you were in League One slightly less time than us, but it wasn't exactly like a momentary season um Four years, a, yeah 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 well actually was it the same time that you went as us yes because you stayed next year you went exactly the same time as us is that right yeah um 11th 9th 11th second i think that's awful um <laughs> so a similar path we can say but you've had a summer to sort of reflect on it now as a sunland fan and the sunland fans i think we know what it feels like now that we can look back and see where we've come from but um you've only had the summer but how relieved are you just to be out of it because it's such not a, a league one team um i'm really relieved it's it's an interesting comparison but a different comparison because what i would argue is that the sunderland fall and collapse was more dramatic i know you were fed up with ellis short for a long time but to go the back-to-back relegations you know and him pulling the parachute payments out and just basically leaving you like a team that would have been in administration you know mm. in in league one is a bit different than ours which felt like a kind of 10-year awful just dirge down to league one so we got a lot in common with Sunderland fans in that in that sort of regard and you just have those moments of can it ever be us? Just give me three months, and by God, we got look. We had a good season, but the last three months or what, fifteen games from Valentine's Day was just the best fifteen games of supporting Ipswich in twenty years. Basically, it was absolutely brilliant. The team, look, I know everyone can reasonably turn around and say. Yeah, nice one. You had the biggest wage budget and the biggest spend out of anyone. We know we we acknowledge that hopefully with some humility, but um, we we probably had that for a couple of the other seasons as well. And Lee kind of did nothing with it, so um, it's just brilliant to to be the winning team and go on. You know, you sat there and 
in February going, my God, for us to get promoted now would take the mother of all runs and for everything to go in our favour. And it did. So we're really, really happy to to be back. Um, I think certain parts of our fan base are getting a little bit carried away with the <laughs> assuming that the last 15 games is now going to be the future ad finitum, which um, you and I both know it's not. But yeah, just we moan a lot as football fans. And right now I have nothing to moan about until you talk to me about the injury that's just happened to our goalkeeper. But we're going to get on to that. I think, you know, you've. I wouldn't say you've gone for it in the transfer market, but it's been a good summer from what you can see. And, and I think weirdly, it seems odd to say this, but something like perhaps an example of what a big team from League One can do when a promoted out of League One and have that, because I think we had 17 games our unbeaten one going into it. So not too dissimilar, although we went up by the playoffs and had the euphoria of Wembley and stuff like that. But um, I think, you know, last season, it's funny, we we did our preview show yesterday and one of the lads last year said, we'll finish fifth. And we all like laughed and ha ha. And we finished <laughs> sixth. Um, but what, what are Ipswich fans' expectations going into the season? I know everyone's different, but but what are the expectations going in? And, and are Sunderland an inspiration? Can I say that? You absolutely can. And the weird thing is, I, I did a video, actually. I did all the research. Sunderland are not only an inspiration, but also a massive outlier, unfortunately, for teams that come up to League One. I think if I've got my numbers right, Sunderland are the only team out of the last 30 to finish in the top 10. And mm-hmm. not only do they finish in the top 10, they've got the damn playoffs as well. The, the problem with Sunderland are an outlier in that respect. And also they're an outlier in that they've got this giant fan base that, you know, you come up with that and you get get a bit of a fair wind behind it and you have that kind of nice advantage. I know it can be a disadvantage if it turns on the team, but you have that nice advantage when it's going right. Um, the expectations are very high. I'm uncomfortable with with some of them. And I, I very much trust Ali and George from Not The Top 20, but I listened to their 1-25 to bloody third. And, you know, that would be like beyond wildest dreams um, sort of territory there. But those boys are very smart and um, very good on the on the data. Um, we're not going to emulate Sunderland in that the Sunderland recruitment model is so innovative. And, you know, I, I don't know how many more 18-year-olds from Swaziland that I've never heard of you're going to sign that could turn out to be really great. Um, but I, I love it. I, I think it's brilliant. And I'm so excited to, you know, to see how some of these players sort of turn out. And you can tell me all about Chris Rigg as well, who I think the whole division is excited to, to see how he turns out. But the expectations of very high. We're going down the British player who's been at Big Academy and for nice chunky fees, you know, one million. You know all about Nathan Broadhead, don't mm-hmm. you? So we we love him. Um, and uh, Harry Clark, who you'll be very pleased is going to be suspended for Stadium of Light. He kind of was Arsenal young player. Taking Jack Taylor from Peter, but that's a bit of a different one because he's a kind of blue chipper League One. Uh, player and George Hurst, who you know, obviously big name being David Hurst's son, took take him from Leicester as well. So the thing we're hoping is the pattern of play is as good as the data suggests it was in League One, and will continue to work. Obviously, 
and you'll think this as Sunderland fans, you don't have a hope against the parachute teams if they actually get it together. You, you can't can't touch them. You just have to hope there's enough chaos and to and fro and that they get a bad start or something. But no, Sunderland very much an inspiration. And of course, you um, we're all very big fans of your manager as well. Yes. Um, I think when it comes to one player you mentioned there, Nathan Broadhead, obviously, I think we'll get onto the summer and fall. As I say, you've mentioned a few of those players that we've you brought in, which I think people will recognise. Didn't notice David Hurst's son, which shows you how much attention I've been paying and also told you how <laughs> old I am that I know who that is at the same time. Be a lot of 21-year-olds going, who the hell is David Hurst? He um, was a player, I'll tell you, 21-year-olds. God, yeah. Certainly was. Um, but Nathan Broder obviously is a, a talking point. Um, he played a huge part in our promotion. And I think, you know, when we had the review show last season and just before you signed him, a lot of us would like to sign him, but we're worried about his um, injury record. He got three big injuries from memory that kept him up for at least over a month, some of it longer when he was with Sunderland. And there was that concern. And I think that's eventually what went against us even going for him because we, we didn't go back in for him. But he played against us for Wigan last year, but it's no slight on his part to say that he didn't really do much. I think he got an assist, but Wigan were... He played, did he play number nine for Wigan? He, he was playing up front for them, wasn't he? Yeah, he's... To be honest, Wigan stunk the place out for numerous reasons in, in the championship last year. But um, Ipswich fans have taken to him. He obviously played a big role in, in your promotion as well. We, in general, really like him because of what he did. But um, how have Ipswich fans taken to him? Oh, he's pretty much a hero immediately. Yeah. Um, it's difficult because you can only go on what you've seen. And we've seen him in League One and he was never injured playing in a team that had all the ball and made a whole ton of chances. And honestly, he was he was on kind of piss tape levels in League One. He was clearly too good for the for the level in a team that was really playing well at the end of the season. And he's the sort of player as well. And I don't want to fall in love with him too hard too quickly because in case he does get injured or something, just Picks passes that you don't see, swagger, flair, smashes a free kick in the top corner, scores a header from a corner. And uh, how do I say this in the nicest way? His interviews are so bad that they're endearing. <laughs> you, know, you just absolutely love the bloke. So, yeah, I'm a massive fan. And we got to the point as well where we were judging last season. It's a bit like... Um, I don't want to get into religion, but it was a bit like AD and BC in terms of before Broadhead and after Broadhead signed, we were just a completely different um, problem. It wasn't all down to him because I think a lot of, we were in perfect storm territory then, but he was brilliant at the end of last season with all those caveats. Yeah, he's a really good player. And I think the the, the big memory for me from Broadhead is, we played Arsenal away in the cup uh, quarterfinals, got beat 5-1, but it weirdly left feeling really positive and he scored in that game, but also got injured in that game. And a lot of the, the good sort of first 40 minutes was down to how well he was linking play sort of on the left-hand side up front with, with Ross Stewart in the centre and Pritchard behind. And he goes off with a hamstring injury. He's out for three months. We don't see him for ages. Comes back. He scored a couple of goals in the last minute, really like pushed us towards the playoffs. And then I think it was the... It was the last game of the season, scores against Morecambe, then tweaks his thigh or something, misses basically most of the playoffs and can only come as a sub. But, I mean, apart from Sunday, really pleased he's doing well. Um, I think, in general, he's very well liked at Sunderland and played a big part in getting 
dare I say, a massive football club out of the, the shit that was League One. Um, and I don't mm. mind if League One are offended by that because hopefully we'll never see it again. Um, <laughs> and I think we both, both fans will agree with that. But I think another big reason that you got promoted, uh, Kieran McKenna's obviously done a really good job in getting you up because, look, let's be honest, if Sunderland were a mess at League One at points, Ipswich really were. And I think I was worried you were going to be there for about eight years and kind of randomly ended up first. And I thought, oh, hang on Pompey a minute. are going into the seventh, Graham, now. No sympathy, I think. Um, <laughs> our first season in League One, we made slight enemies out of that, and I've no, no sympathy. Sorry, sorry, Pompey fans, the ones <laughs> big, that I get on big with. club though for League One level, you'd agree, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's certainly League One club, I would say. Um, <laughs> at least they are now. But um, they can only hope for a Kieran McKenna, I suppose, or Alex Neal, or the Tony Mowbray, yeah, John Musidio. Yeah. Hey, mm, mm. You well, um, moving on. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, he's done really well, though. I mean, obviously, what did I trigger you about before? I've triggered you. It's David Moyes. Oh, I don't. There you go, Portsmouth. David Moyes. I'll see how many things I can trigger you about. Very triggering. Uh, Moyes <laughs> being the biggest trigger. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think there's a lot of clubs that have appointed a young coach it hasn't worked. Um, it doesn't work as easy as it might. And it might look fancy on paper, but it doesn't work. But McKenna so far has, because um, I don't think he just got you promoted the way you were playing. Football's really good, obviously, the way he's recruiting is really good. Um, what has he done for Ipswich? He's obviously hailed as one of the, the best young managers in the EFL at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm uncomfortable with all of this because we're in Gordon Strachan territory of him saying famously, the longer you don't manage for, the better you become. And it feels like we got promoted and we now haven't played a game since the start of May. And Kieran McKenna, through not managing any games, has gone from, oh, this guy did a really good job, you know, to get Ipswich up a game. We acknowledge with the nice wage bill and a lot of nice resources that everyone else would have liked to have had in League One. And it's it's now gone from, okay, best young manager in the division, best young manager in the case. I think he's the best young manager in the universe by the time we by the time we kick off. So the the hype is getting a bit crazy. We should acknowledge. He didn't win the division and there was Stephen Schumacher ahead of him who's did a cracking job for um, Plymouth as well. Uh, obviously, I'm talking him down to a certain extent for um, my own emotional coping mechanism for when he does get linked with lots of other jobs. But he's 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 done really, really well. And do you find it difficult to judge Graham sometimes? Because I try and listen to what managers say, but sometimes managers have their own messaging that they're getting across to their own fans. So all of a sudden, if Michael Duff, who we all think is a great manager, says this is the best League One team I've ever seen, half of you is drinking it in and half of you is thinking, okay, if we beat them, he's just setting his team up for that now. And um, Danny Cowley, I remember, was just, absolutely mm. raving about how amazing this team was. So we've heard more qualified people than you or I say that the coaching, the pattern of play, etc., the things that fans aren't really expected to notice is really fantastic. And, you know, it, you can tell when a team's playing fluid and nice football, and we really, really were. Um so again, it's acid test now, isn't it? You're up the level. You're not going to keep the ball. You're playing against clubs who are bigger than you with better budgets, better players, you know, all of a sudden. And if he is 
what he's being cracked up to be, which I really hope he is, then the pattern of play will continue to work. To what extent we'll find out whether that just puts us above the bottom six or into the middle or, you know, even even better. That would be that would be incredible. And obviously, if that happens, then, you know, and it's not like having Tony Mowbray because Kieran McKenna could do exactly the same thing as Tony Mowbray, but because Kieran McKenna is the bright young thing who, you know, it will be, he'll be linked with all of the, all of the big jobs. So look, if he is as brilliant as people say he is, then Ipswich will do well and he will not be there for very long. Yeah, pretty much. And I think there's a lot of managers that have come up and done it. And it's funny when I was thinking back to managers that have came with massive reputations and not done it. Hurst obviously springs to mind too. You had on oh, the Oxford right, yeah. side of it. Um, so I suppose there's credit there, but at the same time, like you say, it is it is dependent on this season how far he goes. And unfortunately for you, if he does really well, then it starts. Do you know Hurst? Just quickly, Graham, he blew it on the people skills. He mm. was like, "Do you ever watch The Apprentice?" <laughs> yes. On on the first week <laughs> of The Apprentice, someone will always make themselves project manager having never managed anyone in their life and think that they have to yell at them like the drill sergeant from um whatever that movie is and but paul hurst and kieran mckenna in terms of the i know it's all buzzword and mental health and empathy and all of that but they are just complete opposites on on the people skills let's just say i mean if we're talking about TV shows, we can go back to uh, The Office and Lee Johnson, but that's another bit of PTSD <laughs> for me, so we'll leave that as it is. Who um, was that lad who scored a hat-trick at your stadium? And <laughs> you, Lee Johnson really wanted to punch him, didn't he? <laughs> who was that? Chris Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous, sorry. <laughs> they, well, I mean, looking back, very, very objectively funny at the time. <laughs> For a new choice, genius. <laughs> kind of like agreed with Chris Maguire, but it was also yeah, right. against us. But um, <laughs> thankfully, sort of a few weeks later, it got beat 6 0 off Bolton and everything was all right after that. Uh, now, who sounds like they're from the office? Needless to say, I had the last laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's signed for Eastley a few weeks ago, Chris Maguire. So no way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's quite an interesting start for Ipswich. Because I think when you look at the game, it's like no disrespect to the two of the teams that are I'm going to mention, but we've got ourselves away, which I think is a tough game based on a multitude of factors. Um, Stoke at home, QPR are in there as well, but you've also got Leeds. Um, I think every fan does this where you go like how many points. We did it last night on our season preview uh, show, uh, like how many points you want for the first four games. How many points would be a good return for Ipswich from Sunderland away, Stoke, Leeds, QPR? Oh, crikey. How many are going to be in at Sunderland? Over 40,000, I think. So, yeah, and as I mentioned, looks like Broadhead is doubtful. Uh, Clark is suspended. And we're just (laughs) hearing that we're just hearing that Walton, um, and we hope it's not completely true, but we might be talking a few weeks with a foot injury there, which is that's problematic. Basically. So look, if you're coming away from a noisy Sunderland who've just finished in the playoffs with anything, you'll be you'll be happy. Um in terms of Stoke, we might get them at a good time because they've literally signed like eight players, haven't they? And in theory, we should be further along with our with our sort of pattern 
um, I keep saying pattern of play, but I'm really hanging my hat on the fact that we know what we're doing more so than a lot of championship sides who've A, signed a lot of players or B, changed managers. So I'm hopeful we might be able to do something in that game. QPR, everyone thinks is a massive mess, don't they? So, yes. so here we go. We'll probably beat Leeds and lose the QPR. But, and again, with Leeds, you it's just a parachute team, isn't it? And our old friend, Daniel Farker, who, um, yes, trampled on us a few times as Norwich manager, let's just say. And again, you're just hoping that they haven't finished the transfer business. You know, they haven't bedded in. If they have, they'll beat us. It's fairly obvious, isn't it? So the most hopeful thing is you can get two wins from those four games. If you're anywhere above six points, I think you're happy. Seven or eight and you're completely overjoyed. And if, you, if you're down in the you haven't won and you're sort of two points or fewer, you're, you're worrying. So surely I think I think we can win one of them. Um, uh, yeah, if it's around the five or six points, I'm gradually bringing the number down as we go. But I'd, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, I think looking at your signings that you've made, it's funny. Taylor is one that sticks out, but not because I know much about him. I just remember a few years ago I had a preview show with a Peterborough fan, and he was going absolutely mental. Like it was Paul Gascoigne, um, <laughs> which is weird that I should say that because. One of our podcast members said that Chris Rigg will be the new Paul Gascoigne uh, yesterday. You so must can't... talk to me about him, actually, because I'm very excited to see him. Yeah, yeah, he looked pretty. I mean, the kid can't even drink, so um, we'll wait till he can, and then we'll make a decision if he's anything like Paul Gascoigne. Um, this is going to be one of you know we keep saying a good time to play someone. I think playing Sunderland early in the season before everyone's figured out who this wonder kid is might be a bad time to play Sunderland, mightn't it? Well, he's he's tipped incredibly highly, and I've got to be honest. I think he took three players out in the game against Mallorca on Saturday without actually touching the ball. Um, yeah, I've seen the clip actually. Yeah, if, if the kid. All, anywhere. all I'll say, um, Graham, is I saw Tony Mowbray with Harvey Elliott, mm-hmm. and they literally Blackburn played. He was the main player in the whole team, so Tony Mowbray will have no problem whatsoever. Not only playing. Chris Rigg, but sticking the whole system through him as well if he thinks because Harvey Elliott was like 12 or something when he was playing for Blackburn, <laughs> wasn't he? And he was he was the best player in the in the team until he got that injury. I think he got like 17 assists or something like that during that season for Blackburn, which is in just, August. Yeah, just I mean <laughs> silly, really. Um but yeah. yeah, he does look good. But the names, the names that stuck out for me, obviously, were, were Taylor for that reason. Obviously, he's been someone who's been around sort of League One and, and maybe been seen as one of the better midfielders, never quite made the the, the jump up yet. Um, Hurst, obviously, I didn't know his dad was David, but I do know who he is because <laughs> if I remember right, he absolutely tore us a new one for Leicester under-21s when we were in League One in the Papa John's, which is horrible. I'm giving myself horrendous PTSD. I'm going to stop doing the podcast, <laughs> but... Um, it's David Moyes, Portsmouth. Yeah, like, that's my <laughs> Um I think... It's been a decent summer business from yourselves, um, as good as can be expected so far. But uh, how how's the summer been for you, in your opinion? And, and who stood out for you in pre-season from those players you brought in, or even perhaps players that you've, you've had last season? Uh, so the summer's been good. Unfortunately, we've been used to, like, the transfer window, not the start of last season, before, was ridiculous. I think we signed, like, 18 players or something. They did a complete reset. So we got very used to 
you know, going to the restaurant and picking everything off the menu. So it's been a lot calmer, which is probably probably a good thing. You know what it's like as football fans. You always, however many players you sign, you always want one more, don't you? Always want that next new toy to play with. And I think there will be there will be more. I don't know whether we'll do a, a cover keeper as well if Walton's out for a for a while, but pretty pretty happy enough in terms of people standing out I suppose it's just Sam Morsey still in central midfield who because you're you're looking at Sam Morsey and Connor Chaplin um Shane Aluko is kind of there you know around the first team as an influence rather than a key player whereas Morsey will actually you know here's your guy who's actually done something in the championship before Chaplin was actually player of the month in the championship for Barnsley as well in their um playoff season so yeah you're 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 leaning on those players rather than the rather than the new ones hopefully hopefully I mean the CEO says two or three more that's only going to be one more maximum if you know before the game we're talking about happens so yeah I, I can't you can't be unhappy with anything after you've just scored 100 goals, got 98 points and had the best run in 20 years. Would I have liked, you know, you see some of these players go to other clubs and that don't want to be ridiculous, you know, to sometimes fans, they link players with their clubs and you're like, are you serious? Because if you are, I'm off to go and chat Margot Robbie up if you've got a chance of getting that that player in. But yeah, little bit jealous of certain signings going into other clubs but we shall see how it lands and you know we're we're new boys again aren't we yeah pretty much and I think if there's any Ipswich fans listening some of the fans will probably agree with me on this a lot of the players that really shone for us in the championship were players that came up from um League One right. I think the golf in class is maybe not as big as some may think um, and I also think, you know, the likes of Danny Bott, who won player of the year last year, was actually better in the championship than than he was in League One. A lot of fans weren't sure on Jack Clark in League One, and he's probably our player of the year last year. And for some people, um, I think 24 goal contributions and then Patrick Roberts and Graham, I was at the Spygate game. Mm-hmm. If you'd asked me that night, I not only would I say Jack Clark is a champion, I thought, right, England, we we got this sorted now. So the potential is absurd from what I saw. In fact, I was at Villa v Leeds when he came on as a sub and he just immediately had it in his locker to accelerate with the ball, cut inside and just mm-hmm. bend it in the corner. Looked like he wasn't thinking about it either. He was strangely frustrating in League One and didn't even play in the playoff final. I think he came on. It was Elliot Embleton played and obviously scored. And uh, But last season, I mean, for me, he was our player of the year, 24 goal contributions. And we're just praying that Burnley, um, for want of a better word or phrase, fuck off pretty soon. <laughs> um, and stop. You can understand that. why they're keen on him, though, can't you? 100%. Um, really good player. And, and, you know, same for Roberts. But a lot of those players came up. And Ross Stewart, I know he got injured twice, but obviously stats speak volumes so I think you know, so he's going into the last year of his deal is that right yeah Stuart yeah it's a sore point there's been a lot of is it points, okay yeah. yeah a lot of sore points here <laughs> okay. um but I think you know I'm talking about how something they're playing and, and how we did and and what happened and stuff and normally I wouldn't do that in a preview show but it seems to make sense considering the team that we're playing and I think a lot of people know obviously Ben that you look at 
the championship in full and you have done for a number of years now. Um, and I asked before if we were like an inspo for newly promoted side, obviously. Something's now vastly different to the last time we faced each other and you watch a lot of that championship football. What are you expecting from Sunderland's Tony Mowbray this season? Because we were discussing it last night and the expectations are arisen, like, but at the same time, is that a dangerous thing or are we being just Sunderland fans where we think, oh, don't aim too high? Yeah, probably both. Um, hopefully you're doing it in completely equal measure. So you have to be honest and say that for all the excellent work Sunderland did do last year, the door opened up, didn't it? There was that point about 10, 12 games left before the end of the season where there was nothing between fifth and like 14th. And you were kind of thinking anyone has any kind of decent run, they're getting in the playoffs here. And it's great because instead of getting, no no disrespect, Watford, Norwich, West Brom all up there again, you've got Coventry and Sunderland, which I think is, I think it's fantastic. You know, you get some new sides in there. Ultimately, well, okay, Coventry got to Wembley, didn't they? But Sunderland, look, and let's be honest, I was at the game at Kenilworth Road, had no centre-backs or strikers, did they, for the playoff semi-final? So it was a bit of a bit of a weird one in the end. Do you know what it feels like? It feels a bit like Brentford in 2014-15. Brentford actually got into the playoffs in their first season. And before they went on this lovely little clever sort of climb with really good recruitment, they almost unrealistically set the bar too high. So I think there's a lot of really good stuff for Sunderland going on in the background and with the fans being re-engaged that might well still be improving whilst they might not make the playoffs again this year. Do you see what I'm do you see yeah, what I mean? There's, I there's almost a sense that Sunderland could improve, but because you can throw now Leeds Leicester Southampton in, um, you know, potentially Middlesbrough whole course, Coventry whole course, they might not get might not get back in. Um, but I'd be really positive if I was a Sunderland fan for for sure. You know, they the, the only thing I would question is can you build a team of entirely young players do you need you know do you need someone in the you know doing what Sammy Morsey's doing for Ipswich being the experienced hacking central midfield or what have you so yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sunderland had a good season and you know were around sort of 70 70 points or, or even more but you just worry that the three year one parachute teams will all get it right and you'll run out of spaces for another playoff finish. Is that is that fair? Yeah, no, I think I think it's one of my worries as well because that tip was for second, but it was kind of a gut feeling mixed with a kind of heart and a little bit of head. Um and I think, you know, we've accelerated our expectations hundred percent with with but I also appreciate Diallo's not here and was arguably our most potent attacking threat. Um there's a young boy up front who's done very well in preseason, but at the end of the day, still only recognised striker that's currently fit. Um, and I think even if all those things work out perfectly fine, which they did last season, everything came up Millhouse to use a quote. Um, I think you're right in what you're saying in that, you know, last year Norwich and Watford sort of stunk the place out a little bit with that, that had small segments of doing all right. I don't see Leicester, Southampton and Leeds doing that. Um, Not two are... of them, I don't think. No, what one no. of them probably will, but... yeah. No, not necessarily finishing 12th or 13th, but not in the top six, possibly. Yeah, 
that and that, that's how I see it. And I think we spoke yesterday and said, and I think this will apply to yourselves as well. There's a lot of teams that haven't got their squad that they're going to basically go through the most of the season with anywhere near yet. Um, it feels that like there's a lot of a lot of business to be done across yourselves, ourselves, um, and the three teams we've mentioned there, and, and other teams that are going to think that they've got a chance like Coventry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels nice compared to last time I asked you this question because last time I asked you this question, I remember thinking Aidan McGeady must be the only one, um, and it got like that for a long time in League One. Which players concern you most um, from a perspective of, of Sunderland and players that you might be missing? Because obviously you said there's a fair few that could be missing for you. Um, so Ross Stewart's not going to be fit, right? No. No. Um, well, obviously, Jack Clark, if he's still around, and Pat Roberts, they're, they're tricky little dribbly players. I don't think Chris Rigg concerns him because I'm quite excited to actually... I'd love, I'd love to see him sort of start the game. And you can imagine the noise if he... If he comes on, um, so who will play down the down the left hand side for you guys? Probably Jack Clark. That's the one because Harry Clark's not going to be there. So as much we'll probably be playing Janoy Danassian, who's been done everything we've ever asked for him, but Harry Clark is a, a level of a level above. So yeah, not not just Jack Clark on the basis of his astronomical numbers um, and my. Bielsa fanboy um, predilection, but on the basis he's going to be up against our second choice right fullback as well. Yeah, I, I mean, we're expecting a lot from Jack Clark if he stays and hopefully he does. Um, now, I asked for a score prediction yesterday on our uh, review show. If you haven't listened to sorry, preview show, if you haven't listened to the review show, I'm spoiling it for everyone, but that's tough. I don't really care. Um, one of our contributors said we were going to get beat, but then win the next three games. I'll take it. <laughs> Another contributor said we would win 4-0. Um, I haven't given my prediction as yet. I really fancy in my gut a draw. I think I would prefer to play Ipswich at another point. I think the stadium will be up for it, but I don't think our squad's fully settled just yet. I think we're capable of winning. I think we're also capable of getting beat. Um, but I just think I'd prefer to play a promoted team a little bit later in the season when you've had a couple of a couple of batterings and you've you've kind of got a couple of injuries here and there, but the injuries that you've mentioned make me feel a bit more confident, but I'm going to go 1-1. The old Sunderland 1-1. Are we still doing that, are we? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, look, this is not me um, deflecting expectations, but you're clearly favourites, aren't you, with the home advantage, having just finished in the playoffs. Um, OK, I'll take your point about Diallo and Stewart not being around, but then... Potentially, you can even that out with Broadhead and Clark and Walton. Now we're we're hearing about. With all of that being said, and this is not a prediction. This is me being a football supporter. Uh, you'd be really happy if you could get a scoring draw. And there's this issue with George Hurst that he's been on loan at Rotherham and Blackburn and scored zero goals in the championship. So if you gave me a scoring draw with George Hurst immediately getting you know, getting that first championship goal, I'd be really, really happy. Um, I'd like to think we can get something. I would not I would be surprised if we won. I wouldn't be surprised with the other two outcomes, let's just say. It's not a prediction, but that's how I'm feeling about it. I, You're right, though. There's probably still a bit of noise that we, if I can break the fourth wall and say on Tuesday, don't know now that we will know on Sunday at at five and that's weird as well sky tv and 5 p.m i don't know whether that does or 
helps or hinders anybody in particularly. But I don't. Im- I'd be so surprised if we went there and won. We're gonna have a good season if we start like that. And you know, as as we left last season with missing players and away at a team that finished up in the in the playoffs. And last game at Sunderland was beating the team that won the playoffs. So you know, I'd, I'd make you favourites and. <laughs> I'd be very happy if you with you one one, providing Hurst is our goal scorer. Yeah, no, I'm I'm hoping for a win, but I'm trying to be as realistic as I can. Really hard place to to judge, I think. But Ben, before I let you go, obviously, I think a lot of people know you cover a lot of championship stuff. Have done for years. Um, I'm sure people know where to find your stuff. But if they don't, uh, where where can we find your stuff? Yeah, so the Benjamin Bloom Football Channel on YouTube, and um, I can be found upsetting Leicester fans, strangely. Mm. Um, on Twitter at the moment. So, uh, and that may not be a good thing because I'm not at Sunderland Ipswich this weekend. I am at Leicester v Coventry. So uh, this may well be the last football match I ever see. I hope not. Cause I need you back. <laughs> Me too. Re- I need you back for the return game. Mate. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very selfish, but um, Ben, really nice to catch up again, mate. Um, I hope you have a great season. Sans Sunday and obviously the, the return game, but um, please see you back. And obviously, Good luck with the rest of your stuff for the rest of the season. And if anyone wants to subscribe to me, you can. If you don't, I don't give a fuck. It's fine. <laughs> you too, mate. And um, let's fly the fly the flag for um, clubs that should be better than they are and are hopefully improving, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. Yeah, improving football clubs that should be winning the Premier League. Yeah, I'm done with that. Yeah, fine.